Welcome to St. James Lutheran Church in Chicago. My name is Pastor Joel Hess, and uh, what a joy it is to preach the good news to you. May God bless your ears and heart that you have the hope and peace that we have in Jesus Christ and that the Lord changes your view of the world, that you see things as he does with the love of his son, Jesus. If you want to support his mission here at St. James through Chicago, go to stjames-lutheran.org and donate. Thank you for listening. What are you doing there, Elijah? He said, I've been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel, forsaken your covenant, throw down your altars, killed your prophets with the sword, and I, even I, only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. In the name of Jesus, amen. If you ever feel like Elijah sometimes, frustrated? with God, thought you're doing the right thing, and it's not working out, what in the heck is going on? Ever feel frustrated with God's work in your life in general? It doesn't really play out like you thought it would. You're doing all the right things, it seems. That's how Elijah felt. Today we're talking about uh, maybe the last of those great figures of the Old Testament, Elijah. And uh, we know this because uh, when Jesus is transfigured, we saw that, right? Who was there with Elijah or with Jesus? On one side, Moses. We already talked about him. That's the great hero, savior, leader of the, uh, of the uh, Bible there for the Jewish people at Jesus' day. And, and then Elijah was on the other side. These are the figures. And of course, like I said, yeah, David and Abraham. Uh, I hope you've noticed all what they all had in common, by the way, right? They're all weak. They're all sinners. They're all not perfectly faithful all the time. The hero of the Old Testament is always God. So we see this Elijah, and I think he's got something that we have in common, too. And I I hope that you've seen this, too, with all these guys, whether it's David or Abraham. These are real people. When you read Scripture, you really can recognize this is a human being. And he sounds and is frustrated and is weak, is just like I am. It's kind of comforting to read this about these characters. And we can say the same about Elijah for sure. He's frustrated. Now, now why has he gotten to this point? He's, he's ran away, basically, and he's just mad. He basically says, just kill me now, God. <laughs> the reason why is because the people of Israel, post-David, right? We talked about David, talked about Ruth. So Israel becomes one nation under David. It expands. They praise the Lord. They build the temple. Everything goes well. Solomon, his son, does the same thing, directs everybody to worship God and things go well, etc. But after Solomon, the kingdom splits up in fighting. You now have two kingdoms, not quite a civil war. They just break apart. And the whole history of Israel from there on is worshiping other gods except for the God that gave them all they had in the first place. Elijah comes on the scene, chapter uh, 17 of 1 Kings. You can look it up in your pew Bibles that we have now, by the way, next to your new hymnals that actually reflect what in the heck we're doing here on Sundays, and we'll be using them more than in the past. Elijah comes on the scene. God had sent them to the people of Israel to tell them to come back. 
because they were worshiping other gods, specifically a god named Baal. I didn't teach the kids. That'd be funny. Can you say Baal? We're not going to do that. This God Baal, you see that throughout the Old Testament, this God Baal that uh, the people of Israel are always tempted to worship and build high places and sacrifice to. Now, oftentimes you hear this, and I think in our ridiculous anachronistic minds, we're like, oh, there's all these sort of religions, and they're all just really about the same thing, just kind of people singing kumbaya, what's the big deal? And I think we read the Old Testament like, God's just mad they're not worshiping him. There's all sorts of other nice religions. No, 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 first of all, aren't. Second, specifically, this Baal wasn't some nice kumbaya welfare system to help people out. It ends up in sacrificing people to make Baal happy because there's no rain. It demanded from the people sacrifice after sacrifice without anything coming back. I mean, that's the God of Baal. It was the pinnacle of a culture that used one another as physical animal objects, the culture of death. And what's kind of interesting is, I've said this before, when God says, worship me only, he's not doing it just because he's a jerk, although God, by the way, has the right to be a jerk. You really have no business telling him otherwise. But God says this because these other gods consume you. Not just because they're false. They don't stop until you're dead. They don't stop asking and asking, demanding and demanding until you're exhausted. So God loves his people and wants them to come back to him because he's the giving God. All other gods are taking whether it's the God of career, whether it's the God of your job or the God of your success or money or whatever that might be, or even, or even justice, always more, always need more, always demanding there's always something wrong. There's only one God that is the God of giving. That's what Jesus says. He's talking to all people who are worshiping all sorts of other gods under the tutelage and the burden of other gods. He says what? Come to me, all you who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And yet here is Israel, having had Moses, having had the escape through the Red Sea and the Promised Land, all these miracles, how soon they're off worshiping other gods. But you know, doesn't it sound like us? Because in the end, it's what have you done for me lately, right? Everything's great, all this wonderful stuff. How quickly you turn and start looking for other answers because God's not helping you fast enough and your life is just not quite great enough. Maybe this other God will supplement. You know, I'll use, use that God and, or that material or that route, even though it's contrary to God's word. I'll use both of these to have success, etc. right? And that's the people of Israel. They had a bad couple of weeks, a little famine, and immediately maybe those gods are quicker and faster, and they started worshiping and sacrificing. Maybe that God of Baal, he'll help us. And I think it's so relevant for us today how quickly going from one day behind us where we were like, oh, praise you, God, you're so awesome, and the next day, where are you, God? You feel it? And so God sends Elijah 
to bring them back. And he tells them. And what's interesting too back then is another thing we should have in common here. They had a lot of false prophets on the people of Israel. And you knew a false prophet because the false prophet told you what you wanted to hear. So they would tell the king, especially there was a, a thing, this would be a great movie, by the way, Hollywood's run out of ideas. Here's a great one, the plot of Elijah as the good guy in Ahab and, Je, and uh, Jezebel, by the way. And so they had prophets, and the prophets would tell them, everything's great, keep doing what you're doing. It's going to be awesome. Everything you touch turns to gold. That was a false prophet, right? Tells you what you want to hear. Oh, no, you look great. Emperor's new clothes, right? That's awesome. Everything's good, right? And Elijah comes on the scene and says, it's bad. It's going to get worse. You need to repent. Well, which prophet are you going to listen to? You're going to like the Joel Osteen. I mean, I'm sorry, the false prophets. Because they tell you what you want to hear. Make you feel good about yourself. Finally, Elijah says, let's have a God off, by the way. <laughs> Ever seen the drum off uh, with Will Ferrell and the Red Hot Chili Peppers, Chad Smith? Hilarious, watch it. A God off. So you take Baal and all his priests and prophets. You guys gather over here, and we're going to be over here. We're going to raise two little hills, you know, have an altar set up, and whatever God listens to you, that's the God we're going to worship. And they're like, okay, right? Sounds great, right? Let's settle it. And so the gods of Baal, uh, you know, they have the whole altar. They go first. They put the sticks and stuff up. I think they take an oxen, put it on there, and they start praying nothing. This is in chapter 18, I think, of 1 Kings. Praying and praying nothing, finding Elijah kind of eggs them on. Like, you know, maybe your God's sleeping. And actually he says something like, maybe your God's relieving himself and hasn't heard you yet. You need to be louder. Maybe your God's this or that. It goes on and on. Nothing happens. And then it's Elijah's turn. And uh, so Elijah has the altar built, and then he says, let's up it, throw some water on there. So they throw water all over it, and he says, do it another time. And do it one more time. Three times, just drenched in water, so that nobody can say there's some kind of trick. And then he prays, and immediately fire comes down and absolutely demolishes and burns up that altar and the altar of the other guys, too. And everyone says, oh, yeah, that is the true God. We're going to follow that God, yeah. What have you done for me lately? Within days, everybody kind of forgets about this little incident. Ahab hears about it. And he's scared. Wow, okay. And he goes to his wife. By the way, the myth that women had no power in the ancient world is not empirical. The myth that in the Bible women didn't have power, there's not a lot of evidence of that. There's incidences for sure. Ahab goes to his wife, Jezebel, and tells her, you know what, what happened? You know, maybe we need to start worshiping this other God. Well, who's really in charge of Israel, it turns out? It is Jezebel. And she tells Ahab, that ain't happening. <laughs> Go kill Elijah. I'm done with the silliness. I guess I got to do it myself. <laughs> because she's ultimately in charge. And so she has people sent after Elijah. After all that, that evidence that God is the real God, that Yahweh is God, doesn't matter. 
and Elijah's on the run, and Jezebel's mad. And that's where we find him. He's frustrated, he is angry. Now let me tell you, this is not simply a frustration like um, things aren't going well in our life, by the way. And, and you might know what that feels like too, you know what I mean? Like, Lord, you say you love me, why, why am I sick? Why, am I, why, why is this problem going on? What's the deal, right? We do this. And that's okay too, by the way, pray that. It's okay to pray that, Lord, what's going on? Um, I'm not feeling your love here, things aren't going well. That's a frustration for sure, but this is a, a righteous frustration. Elijah is mad not because he didn't feel good, or things aren't going well per se. He's frustrated because he's doing what God has told him to do, and it's not successful. Does that make sense? God's telling him to do these things, and it's not working. That's really frustration. And you got to feel it for Elijah, who's done all these amazing things. He's been given this burden to speak this harsh news, to repent and to turn Israel. Man, he'd love to see some kind of fruit. And quite frankly, he's probably wondering, God, what's the deal? What's the point? And so he actually runs away. And he's done. He's like, kill me now. You know, a couple things... Again, this is a frustration of doing what's right, but things don't go well. This is really important because you see this in the Bible. Just because you're doing the right thing does not mean it will be successful or that you will feel good and happiness will abound. You should not judge what you do by how happy it makes you feel. You should not determine your morality upon whether or not it feels good. That's really, really important, by the way. Or is it God's will? Well, it makes me happy. Absolutely incorrect. First of all, your feelings are the dumbest indicator of a long-term deep thing as they are up and down. What is right is what God says is right. What makes you happy is something else. And it's of interest, by the way. And Elijah's learned... That just because it doesn't work doesn't mean it's not the right thing to do, but he's frustrated about it. Now, we're not given the job of Elijah to go around, I don't know, maybe, I guess I'm kind of feeling it here a little bit with these, uh, as Michael said, the first four pastors die under 60 out of stress and depression, so our history books tell us. I wonder if they felt that Elijah, I don't know. I don't, by the way. But you've been given, maybe not Elijah-type tasks, but you've been given things to do that are clear, not that are in your heart or in your feelings. But God's clearly told you and given you things to do. Love your neighbor, whoever it is. Pray for your enemies. Be kind. Forgive seven times 70. We've been given things to do. Do they always turn out successful? Have you ever had a situation in a relationship and you're like, you, maybe you're listening to a sermon, you're like, yes, I'm going to go tell my friend I'm sorry, and then she's going to say I forgive you, and it's going to be great. And you do this, and it doesn't work. Hearts aren't changed. It's worse. 
Have you ever thought, you know, yes, I'm going to do the right thing at work. I'm not going to fall in line with the, the gossipers or, you know, stepping on other people's toes or, or heads to just climb up and be, I'm going to be a good, righteous person at, in my office, etc. and you get burnt. And no one cares. I think we can feel Elijah a little bit in our lives, can't we? Or as a church... We're going to do the right thing. We're going to be a presence in the city. We're going to care for people, man. We're going to really get out there. We're going to speak the word. We're going to do a bunch of Bible studies. We're on fire. And it's not growing like we thought it would. People aren't giving as much as you thought. You know what I mean? It's just not coming like that. Any one of us, I think, knows exactly how it feels like Elijah. Doing the right thing that God tells us to do, and it still gets shoved back in our face, and we don't feel happy. First, pray. You can be just like Elijah. Tell him, complain, argue, be angry with God. That's okay. I hope you've seen this in our study of our various heroes, whether it's Hannah, Ruth, or whether it's uh, David, Moses, Abraham. It's okay, like in the Psalms, to say, where are you, God? How long? This is not working. You told me to do this. Nothing's happening. That's okay. You can talk to God like that. It's not disrespectful. I promise you, it's okay. And if you don't want to do it, just read, let the Psalms be your prayers because David sometimes talks like that. What is going on? How long? Why do the, the bad people survive and why am I being surrounded? Why does it look like my enemies are winning? It's okay to talk like Elijah. Lord, what the heck? Dumb plan. Because that's how children can speak to a father that loves them. He's not Baal, angry, and needing you to always sacrifice. He's not the, uh, you know, the aloof God, clockmaker of the universe, your father. In fact, I love this. When, when uh, Elijah says this, God says, go, go back to Horeb, where the, Mount, where the Ten Commandments were given, and stand there. And so he goes back there, and stands. And uh, the Lord passed by, the writer of 1 Kings says, and a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord, this is really important, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his cloak, his face in his cloak, and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him and said, What are you doing, Elijah? To his complaints, God doesn't come in like Baal, mighty and judging, but as a calm whisper, gentle conversing, merciful. Because really the one who should be frustrated in your life is not you. 
probably got <laughs> with you, with me, with this world, with Elijah, with the people of Israel. And yet, we want fire to come down. We want great success immediately. We want that God of power, and yet he comes in mercy and gentleness. Thank God, because we couldn't handle him if he came in righteousness, in an earthquake. The same God who should be frustrated with Ahab and Jezebel and Elijah and you and me, instead of coming in like that, more than just a quiet voice, but a, a little tiny baby's voice in a manger comes into our world gentle in his son Jesus and more than Elijah <laughs> were the Jezebels what have you done for me lately and instead of running away God let us kill him put it all on him yelling, mocking, mad everything put it on him the one that says come to me all you weary and heavy laden any name you have any sin you have put it on because he has and will take it he can take your anger he can take your frustration he took all of our sins and amazingly on the cross we see the worst that man can do more than Jezebel kill God, and yet he takes it and turns it around so that's the greatest thing that God could ever do and saves his enemies, you and me. And in Christ, you are forgiven and stand in that forgiveness and will be forgiven. And three days later, he rises again, showing that it will be okay. Death has been conquered. You might not be happy now. Things might not go well. Yes, it looks like it's not very successful, but that's how it goes, but it will be just fine. And let me tell you, it is amazingly successful. The gentle voice of God has created millions of people to fall on their knees in tears about the mercy they have and the love that God has for them. And it's prodded along despite our desire for everything to happen just like this. And it's grown and grown so that more people than ever are broken down by God's law and his gospel. And see him for as he is, this gentle voice, this merciful God. It works. It takes time and it prods, but it works. His word works. And one day, yeah, I know, we get impatient. You're going to see it. You're going to see the new heaven, the new earth. You're going to see those that you love risen from the dead. You're going to see the people that you've not done well with, and you're going to get along on that glorious day. In the meantime, take your frustrations to him. He always comes through. In Jesus' name, amen.